The Infertility Podcast is a place of inspiration for every season in life, a resource where listeners can be encouraged to push past obstacles and be motivated by individual stories. The premise of infertility is understanding the season you are in and realizing that there are strategies that can be implemented to enjoy a fertile season. Now on with the show. Welcome to another episode of the Infertility Podcast. We have yet another special guest, and her name is Jasmine. So Jasmine, thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here with you today. Yes, and I appreciate you taking the time out to be with us. So before we get started, um, if you can give just a brief introduction of who you are, what you do, any personal or professional highlights that you would like to share before we get started with the questions. Um, Yeah, I am. My name is Jasmine Katadakaran. I grew up in New York and I live in New York City currently. Uh, By profession, I am a computer. I work in computer animation. So I'm a lighting artist on feature animated films. So uh, if you've seen, for Blue Sky Studios, have you seen all the Ice Age movies yeah. or Ferdinand or anything? Yeah, if you, if you wait until the very end, you'll see my name kind of like scroll through the credits. That's awesome. So, yeah, so that's what I do by day. And other than that, I just, I love to create, I love to travel, and I love to eat. and being in New York you have a great opportunity to try different things so that's amazing yes for sure so when we connected um, you did send me an email um, just giving a highlight of who you are what you do and I was also able to look at your Instagram page which is very animated and very colorful (laughs) I love it Um, very catchy Um, but before we get started into all the questions, um, if you can please share your infertility story, your journey, um, because you shared part of it with me, uh, and you had some challenges, and now you have two um, miracle children, as you would say, and um, I would like for you to share with the listeners your personal journey with infertility. Uh, yes, I'd love to share it. My journey was lasted around six years and it started I started trying when I was 30 and I should back up a little when I was growing up I kind of um, was taught as the like society norms what I should be striving for this kind of like perfect the path to a perfect life is Mm -hmm. you know I was taught to get good grades go to good school have a career, get married, have 2.5 kids, Mm -hmm. you know, work really hard and retire. And I was totally following that path, um, kind of blindly, actually. And it was all um, going according to plan. And which, you know, I thought was a good thing at the time. But now in hindsight, you know, I'll get to it. But I think um, challenges and obstacles are a good thing in life at times although we probably don't wish it at the time. Yeah. So I had it all planned out. I got married around 28. I thought like, oh, I have two years to have fun and, you know, with married life. And at age 30, I'm going to start trying. By 35, I'll have three kids, no problem. And then keep on, you know, going on with the plan, working hard and retiring at 65 or whatever it is. And I still remember, like, how naive, like, just saying that out loud makes yes. me kind of laugh to myself. I was like, yeah, I'll start at 30, have three kids, no problem. So that's exactly what I did. I started at 30, and I still remember kind of jokingly after that first month of trying, I'd be like, oh, I'm not pregnant? What happened? Yeah. And that was, like, kind of my joke, and obviously it became not so much of a joke as months went by, three months went by, then another, and before I knew it, it was a year. Mm-hmm. and I had not gotten pregnant of course I started getting concerned and we went to the doctor and that's when she was said we should go to a specialist because we had been trying for a year and we went to a specialist and we did all the tests that you normally do um, and nothing came up on both sides we did both sides of the test and the doctor said well nothing is coming up um, that seems like it would be a problem for you to get pregnant but Obviously, something is up because you've been trying for a year. 
So at this point, they diagnosed us with unexplained infertility. Yeah. Which is a very common diagnosis and a very frustrating one. Yeah. Especially when, yeah, right, you're trying to, you just want to solve the problem. Yeah, you want to fix it. <laughs> yeah. And then when they tell you, it's like, oh, it all seems like it's fine, but I don't know, something might be wrong. So we're just going to label you this very vague thing that there's no way you can really find a solution to. <laughs> um, so that's what I was diagnosed with. And we started doing IUIs at that point. Okay. Um, and we went through a couple cycles of IUIs, um, probably three, like kind of right in a row with no success. And at that point, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to keep optimistic. I'm definitely going down the Google rabbit hole, of, yes. you know, searching and trying all this stuff. And before I know it, you know, another year or two goes by. And we're doing, at that point, I think after my fourth IUI, it all becomes a blur. Like, I don't know, if you go through so many cycles, it's like, I don't remember which cycle that was. But I remember after the fourth IUI, the doctor started saying, well, and it's still unexplained. He couldn't figure it out. And um, he said, maybe we should go to IVF at that point, since the IUIs weren't working. And that was my first, that was my first hint that, uh, not all clinics are the same because right. honestly, I just blindly went to um, the the doctor that my OBGYN was like, oh, this doctor is on this floor, like two floors up from my other doctor. I was like, oh, that's convenient. Let's just go and see that person. And that's what I did. And and at this point in my journey too, it's um, I didn't tell anyone. Mm-hmm. I kept it all to myself. It was very... Um, you know, I was, a, I was a, honestly, I was a little ashamed. Like I wanted to hide it. It was this, it was this thing that I thought I should be able to do, but I wasn't able to do it. Like my body just wasn't cooperating and I was a little ashamed about it. And the only person I did mention to, um, when I started thinking about IVF was my father, just cause he, he's a doctor. So I was, I thought, you know, I should get his opinion cause I normally do. And that's when he said, um, you should go to a different clinic or bigger institution because when it comes to IVF, the labs really matter. And mm-hmm. to me, I was like, oh, I didn't even realize that was a thing. And then that's like a little hint of like how little I was advocating for myself and researching on my own. I was just kind of blindly trusting people. And so I took his advice and I, and I didn't. This is the thing. I didn't go too far. I was just like, oh, this, this, this one looks prestigious. And it was like a bigger, well-known institution in the city. And I went there. And um, the doctor that I met with was like the head of the department. He was super optimistic. At that point, I was probably 33 years old. So it was about three, three years in my journey. And he said, you know, I don't see any issues, the same thing. Um, I think you, you should be able to get pregnant just fine let's start with a couple IUIs first before we go into IVF because they want to see if the IUIs would work. And also, honestly, it was partially an insurance issue. Because, yes. Yeah, right. It's very costly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And before insurance would even consider helping with the IVF um, fund, like funding it a little bit, they need like a couple IUIs under your belt to prove that you need the IVF. So we did yet another uh, couple of rounds of IUI um, and nothing. And at this point, you know, we're going a year or four in our journey and I've never been pregnant, not even, I feel like I never close cause I just never had, um, any, anything. And then we, they finally said, let's do IVF. And at this point in my journey, I was like, yes, let's do it. I'm yes. ready. Like, and, and then in my mind, I'm like, okay, IVF has, it's going to work because you hear all these stories. Even I'm so in it and you hear so many, like you just fill with so many percentages and probabilities of different things. I'm just like, okay, IVF has to work. This is going to be it. Um, so we did, we started our first IVF cycle. I remember I was like super excited because I thought this was, this was going to be it. And um, again, kind of naive, <laughs> but I feel like as we go through cycles, we kind of like have to pump ourselves up for yes. hope, right? Because we can't, we have to like, we have it's to a mental hungry. thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we went through the first IVF 
um, cycle and everything like the meds and everything I it was nothing really stood out the biggest thing that we noticed is I just I um, didn't respond that well like I didn't have that many eggs um, and that just as my journey went on it's just my thing like instead of retrieving like 30 eggs uh, some people do I am lucky if I get even 10 <laughs> so um, my first uh, cycle I retrieved, I think that, that was my highest retrieval. I think I had like 10 at the time. And um, I was all excited about, they did ICSI and then um, probably like six of them or six or eight of them um, uh, made it to uh, fertilized. So we were watching that and around day two, day three, they made my appointment for a day five transfer. So I was supposed to go in day five for the transfer. I remember being so excited. Like it was, it was in my mind, like the closest I've ever been to possibly being pregnant. And I was out the door that morning and with the phone rang and I picked it up and it was a nurse from the clinic. And she said, uh, your appointment's been canceled. Don't, don't come in. And I remember being so confused. I was like, what are you talking about? Can't like, this is my day. This is like, Yes, I have to go. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's like game day, right? I I gotta be there. It's transfer day, and she said um, they checked that morning, and none of the eggs, uh, none of the embryos made it to wow. day five. And I was I was crushed. I didn't even know that was a possibility. Um, and and I, and I and I had gone through everything, right? I go through all. I had gone through everything except the transfer, which is yes, the a easiest long process. Part. Yeah, it's a it's a really long process. All the meds, the the retrieval, the surgery, everything, and I, I felt like I just didn't even get my chance to to get the transfer to um, like play in the game. So uh, we went to the doctor that next day, and we sat down with her, and she said, "Well, I think we have a new diagnosis for you. It's no it's no longer unexplained infertility." I think it's poor egg quality. And at first I was like really excited because I was like, oh, finally there's something. There's something, right, yeah. that I could focus on and try to try to solve. And of course my first question was, well, how okay, let's do it. Like how how do I improve my egg quality? And her response was, well, you can't. You can't improve egg quality, which is the last thing anybody with poor egg quality wants to hear. And I remember I kept pushing her and she finally, she was like, well, some people say acupuncture, you know, could help with egg quality. And I was like, okay, I like grabbed that bit of information. Like if she told me to go like hop on one foot over there. You would have done it. I would have done it. Like <laughs> she could have said anything and I'd be like, yes. Drink tea every day. Okay, yeah. yes, on it. Yeah. I've like done so many crazy things during this maternity. <laughs> Um, and it's like, yeah, why not do it at this point? And, um, so that I got a recommendation for a fertility acupuncturist and that day I, I called, I called actually like getting into the elevator after that appointment to make an appointment for the acupuncturist. And the following day I met with her and she was great. She, um, she, I actually joked with her afterwards that she acted maybe 80% therapist and 20% acupuncturist for me because it was really the first time and this is uh, nearly five years like five years in my journey that I I was actually talking to someone about it I had kept it all inside for so long yes and and I really I didn't realize that I was doing it to be honest with you and it wasn't until I met her, uh, Angela my acupuncturist and I finally spoke to her and then um, it was just all, it like, it was so therapeutic. Yes. It was a release. Yeah. It was a release mm -hmm. to be able to talk to someone. So we, sp I spoke with her and she said, okay, I think we should do a cleanse for three months and do acupuncture and kind of detox the body with your know, fertility diet and everything like that. And I was completely on board. I was like, okay, let's, let's figure out how to, you know, improve my egg quality. 
Um, so we did that. And for three months, I went on a, a strict, you know, fertility diet, which meant no caffeine, no, I feel like your listeners probably all know about this, but like, <laughs> you know, no sugars, no carbs, like that kind of thing. Um, and I will say it was really like till this day, I eat differently because of that cleanse. And it, it made me so, so aware of so many things. Yeah. But also what that helped me do, um, that those three months off, because I felt like during my whole journey, we're so much like on the go. So like, we're just anxious for the next move, right? The mm -hmm. next cycle, at least I was. And I was always really tense, like, okay, this, this month didn't work, I'm going to do it next. But this forced me like three months, I'm not going to do anything except take care of myself and eat right. And, and it was my first time also, um, doing self-care really mm -hmm. this whole journey so that also helped me kind of slow down and realize what was important too so um that was a really important part of my journey and then the next step was my second IVF try so I was like okay now I really worked hard and I'm going back for my second IVF um I hope my egg quality is better and we we went through the cycle with the same clinic and everything was pretty much the same as the first cycle. Wow. Um, the, well, I didn't get to the end part yet, but really? <laughs> uh, yeah, so it was, it was too, I was like, I'm kind of foreshadowing, but like, it was too much the same where, you know, maybe instead of 10 eggs retrieved, we had like eight or nine, same thing, five, ICSI with five um, that fertilized. We had the appointment for day five transfer. And of course, I was incredibly nervous because of what happened the first time. Yeah. And yeah. And I was trying to be positive. Um, this time around, I was in the acupuncturist's office that morning to do a treatment before the transfer to prepare my body. And I still remember after my treatment was over, um, she came into the room and she had this look on her face. And I just knew. I was yeah. like, she said that the they called and it's been canceled. So the same exact thing did happen mm -hmm. um, with the second IVF. And I was devastated. I mean, the same exact thing. I I went through all the IVF, all the meds, all the appointments, the surgery, everything, and still I like didn't get my chance. Right. To even get the transfer. And it was, and I also worked really hard for those three months. You know, I did a whole detox. Um, and I still remember on, on the way back home, my husband was with me. We were, we were walking across the park and I was crying. And that was definitely one of the lowest points in my journey. At this point, it's been five years mm -hmm. of trying. And I thought, you know, this, this would work. And I, you know, you work so hard. That's a hard thing about fertility, right? It doesn't matter. Not that it doesn't matter how hard you work, but like, it it's, there's no guarantee that anything's right. going to work, right? So, um, and for me, since at this point in the in the journey, because it was egg quality, it was it was on me. It was mm -hmm. my my factor, right? That was in my mind preventing us from having a having a having a child, I should say, because we are a family. But um, I, I didn't mention this, but when I first met my husband, and we were very young when we met, I knew he, he's like me. He's like one of those guys where you're, you know he's going to be a great father. Yeah. Like he, he just, he's way more paternal than I am. And like people probably had doubts what kind of mom I was going to be, but no one had doubts what kind of husband, what kind of father my husband is going to be, because mm -hmm. he's like this amazing person. He's a he's actually in education. So, and at this point, I remember walking across the park, and I just, it was, I was already feeling the guilt, but I could not, it couldn't be the barrier of him becoming a father. Mm -hmm. um, and there's so much, there's so much that comes in with the fertility, like all this physical but the emotional stuff is yes. what really got to me and this, this guilt and it was actually on that walk across the park where I told him um if this doesn't work out I want him to go 
like I need him to go find someone else so he can be a dad because mm-hmm. like I knew I could I could be okay if I could figure it out but I couldn't live with the fact that I was the one to prevent him to be a father right um and I still get tired every time I think about this discussion because I I meant it I still mean it today you know mm-hmm. it it was really hard to have um and of course he said almost instantly like no you know we're gonna figure mm-hmm. it out um but yeah and I thought that was the lowest point in my journey actually that morning uh but I'll get to the next morning so so that. So we talked it out that night. And of course, you know, for the next morning, I pumped myself back up. We, we were going to see the doctor. I, I like, as, as we said, we you go down and then you have to pump yourself up again to be hopeful and optimistic for the next cycle. And I was ready. I was like, okay, I'm ready for the next plan. Um, and we sat down in the doctor's office that morning. And she said to, I, she sat us down and she started, she started almost instantly talking to us about egg donor and adoption. Wow. And I, I like took a second and I was like, wait, what, what do you mean egg donor and adoption? Are we not going to try? Can I not try another cycle with my own eggs? And she's like, no, I, I wouldn't recommend it. And, and at this point I was 35 years old and I kept saying, I was like, I, you know, I, I know I'm 35, but I still feel, young like i i really want to try with my own eggs and then she said to me and this is where the lowest point in my journey was is um i give you a less than one percent chance of um having a child with your own eggs a less than one percent chance and i just remember like during the fertility journey you get all these probabilities all Mm -hmm. in your mind and you hear things like, you know, 20%, 10%, but then to hear like less than 1%, I just remember feeling really numb. And here I was at this point in my journey, I'm 35. If you remember in my perfect life plan by 35, I should have three kids by now. You should be done having kids. I should have been done. I should have had three kids. No problem. But instead, here I am at 35 sitting in this doctor's office. Um, trying after trying for five years, being told I have a less than one percent chance of having a child, and um, it was hard. Mm-hmm. And you know, we ended that meeting. She she gave us information about egg donors and adoption, and she said she basically said, "Come talk to me if you want to do an egg donor, but otherwise, they're not gonna do another cycle with my own eggs." And um, I still remember we left that morning outside the building, the doctors, the hospital, and we gave each other a hug and we said, we'll talk about it later. And then we both went off to work, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is like, that's another thing about the, the this journey is it's all in secret, right? Yes. It's, like, it's not like I can go into work all devastated and sad and be like, well, I was just told this morning that I have a less than 1% chance of having a child. Life is still happening. Yeah. And you just have to like put on that face, like nothing's, nothing's wrong. And that's exactly what I did. I went into work. I think I cried on the train on the way to work. I remember. And then I was like, I got to put my, pull myself together and I got to work and I just, I was distracting myself with work and it was, it was that moment when I was at work and I was at my lowest because obviously I was distracting myself. I couldn't stop thinking about it. And uh, I was trying to solve a problem at work, which, you know, I work in computer animation that's creative, but also technical. So it also, it has to do with a lot of creative problem solving. And I was trying to solve this problem at work and I was like working on it. And also in this aha moment came into my head where I was like, wait a minute, what the way I realized the way I was approaching my fertility journey was so different than the way I approach like a a challenge at work, an obstacle at work. Yes. Where, you know, at work, I, I will um, kind of, I will brainstorm, I'll get different perspectives on, 
on the situation and then I'll come up with multiple solutions and then decide which one is the best one to go with. Where I realized in my fertility journey, I just was blindly following other people's advice and never questioning it, never getting second opinions, never seeing if it was really the right, the best choice for me. Right. Yeah. And this is when I was like, okay, let's try this because I have nothing to lose at this point in my mind. You know, I was just told I had less than 1% chance. And I was like, let's start getting, um, let's start applying this artist mindset to my fertility. I use myself as the experiment because I needed to change something and I wasn't ready to give up um, on my own eggs. And I, I decided, I was like, okay, the first step is to get different perspectives, different opinions. And that very next day I went to my acupuncturist and I was talking to her about it. And she, that's a great example of like getting a different perspective because she comes from Eastern, like an Eastern perspective of medicine versus, you know, the Western. Mm-hmm. And I have full respect for doctors. Um, I have full respect for both. You know, my father's a doctor, like I said. But then I also had to remember that doctors are just human like us, you know, right. and they just, they, they have their own opinions. And um, I think we put a lot of faith in like one doctor's opinion. And like I said, I full respect for people's opinions, but you want to gather yes. as many opinions as possible, especially if you get an opinion that you should stop trying, right? Um, so this is when I got so I talked to my acupuncturist and she was giving me her perspective and she said, she's like, you know, I, she's like, I think it is your egg quality, but less than 1% seems, seems a little drastic. bit low. Yeah. Yes. Drastic. And she said, I think that you should go to this other clinic. And at this point, um, you know, the biggest, the biggest thing she with the clinic that she thought I should go to and the doctor that she suggested I would work well with was the insurance thing. Um, she, he wasn't in my insurance and at this point it was hard, but I I wanted to go for it. I was just like, I, I need to try it. I need to see this through. And we went to see this other doctor within like a week. We got an appointment and I still remember that first appointment. He looked at all my, my records and everything. He's like, okay. And and then I remember this well, cause he's like, I don't agree with the less than 1%. Um, probability and I was like oh like just that by yes a sigh of relief (laughs) it's like a second opinion yes and then and then he had he's like well um it seems like you're you don't respond well to five days to a five-day transfer so let's try a three-day transfer and that sounded great to me that's like exactly what I do at work when something doesn't work isn't working right you kind of iterate and test out different ways the one thing I didn't I was feeling off about the other clinic was they did the same exact protocol twice in a row and And didn't didn't try anything different. Exactly. They didn't try anything different. And I was like, and then, and I was, I was naive. I was too naive to know that I could do a day three transfer or there was any other things, you know? Um, So I was like, okay, let's try the day three transfer. That sounds great. So we went ahead and did my third IVF cycle at this new clinic. And Everything, the beginning parts, everything seemed the same as the first two, except um, I actually made it to transfer. <laughs> like the morning of day three, I was like, I remember being, when I was in the hospital, I was like, is this really happening? Am I yeah. really getting the transfer? And it happened. I got the transfer and like, it, that was just a success. It, it was, I was nearly six years into my journey and it was, it was the first time. I was able to get a transfer and um and I got pregnant from that from that third IVF and I still remember how surreal it felt and this was only a couple months after that meeting so so a couple months after the one percent exactly after wow yeah so like uh, three months before I was in that office being told that I should stop trying and have a less than 1% chance. And then all of a sudden I'm getting a call from this other doctor congratulating me that I'm pregnant. And I just, I couldn't believe, I still remember when he called, I, 
my mind was really confused. I was like, no, that can't be right. Like, right. I, even though like I'm positive, I'm just like, but that like, and, um, and I, I still remember his response. He was like, I'd be an awful doctor if I was kidding about that. And right. Like, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, so I, from that, from that IVF way, had a healthy pregnancy and I now have a daughter that is four years old. Wow. Um, yeah, I call I call my less than one percent miracle. Yes, and yeah, and and since then I've also had um, a son who's two years old. That's also um, through IVF, um, my fourth IVF, and I honestly almost didn't try for a second just because I thought one I had been through so much. Um, took six years for me yeah. to have my daughter and. I felt so grateful also that I didn't want to push it to be honest. Right. I was just like, I was like, Oh my God, I'm so grateful. And, and so happy to just have one. And I, I also didn't know if I wanted to put my body through another cycle and had gone, it's gone through so much. Um, but when it came time to it, cause by the time I had my daughter, I was 36 or 36. And then, um, when I was thinking about having my son, I was almost 38. And I was like, well, you know, with fertility, if we're going to try, this is the time <laughs> we have to try. Yeah. So, so we tried and I remember thinking it was not, yeah, I had very, uh, I, I I'll say I had low expectations because I, I, I had been through so much that it never works the first time. Right. right. So, and at this point too, I guess we'll go into it, but like I, I did start sharing publicly and, and this is, and I didn't, hadn't planned on it, but by me coming out publicly, it opened me back up to the struggles of fertility and everything, mm-hmm. realizing how, how we go through it all in silence and no one knows anything about it. And this is when, after I decided to try for my second, I I, told, I turned to my husband. I was like, "Should I just document this all, like publicly, the whole IVF process, and so people can actually see what it looks like?" And and I still remember his face was like a face of kind of horror. He's like, <laughs> "But what if it doesn't work? It's, yeah. If it doesn't, because he knows those chances. He's like, if it doesn't work, you're gonna have to be like." Uh, because he's seen what it looks like when it doesn't work. And I was like, well, yeah, but I feel like people need to see that because that's the reality of this mm-hmm. journey, right? It's not all rain. It's not all happy endings. And so we did. So I did document the whole thing. Um, and it was actually really therapeutic for me to one, share my journey, but then also get it out in this way. Cause I was silent for over six years um, about my journey and I to actually share it was such a great thing for me. And how did you how did you share it? How did you start sharing publicly? Was it through your Instagram page? Was it on YouTube and that sort of thing? How did you end up sharing? Yeah, so this is the interesting part. Before I started sharing, I'm a very quiet person. And very different from today where I have a public Instagram page and everything like that. So um, the reason why I started sharing was I had posted a picture of my, and this is only among friends. I posted a picture of my daughter as a baby when she was first born and um, to some social media, probably on Facebook or something. And one of my friends wrote something like, Oh my God, I wish I had your life. Your life is perfect. Wow. And I, I did a pause. I like, I remember I read it and I just, I just read it and I was like, Oh my God. They don't know. Yeah. And I realized from their point of view, because I didn't share with anyone, from their point of view, all they saw is me and my husband traveling like crazy for six years because that was actually part of my way to get, to wrap, you know, to stay sane. I traveled. Every time there was almost every, like I still remember there was one failed cycle and I just turned to my husband and I said, where are we going? I don't care like how much, like I just need to go somewhere to, to do something. So we traveled a lot during those mm-hmm. six years. We traveled the world and that's all what any, anyone saw is like, you know, we got pegged as a couple that's just like traveling like two, 
they're, they're having too much fun to have a family because they're yes. traveling all over the world. And then all of a sudden they see us have a family or, or a child, I should say. And, and this friend was like, oh, you have the perfect life because all they saw is travel and now we have this cute little baby. And I just like, oh, I'm eating into this perfect social media thing where it's that's another part of the fertility journey right? yes when you're trying the just simple things like the baby announcements and or and stuff like that it it hurts and it feels horrible that it hurts but it does and all of a sudden I realized I was feeding into that right someone that might be struggling that I know is just seeing my feed and thinking like oh I wish her life seems so perfect. I wish I was like Jasmine. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's when I, I, I decided to come out. And this was after my daughter was um, a little over one. And at this point, I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell my friends I did IVF, to be honest with you. Um, and I, went, I came out. I came out on Facebook Live. I still can't believe. It's like one of those things I still <laughs> can't believe I did it. If, if you asked me to do it again today, I'd be like, oh, I don't know if I can do that again. And, and my friends, I still remember my friends like, oh my God, that's so unlike you. I had so many friends that said, that's so unlike you. And I'm like, I know. And <laughs> I put myself out there and be so open. But what came of it was, one, it was, it was very therapeutic for me. I didn't realize how much trauma I was keeping in. Because I feel like when we go through this journey, you assume if you, have a, if, if you have a child or something, a positive outcome in your mind, poof, all that all that pain and everything that you went through in your journey will just like kind of go away. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't. It's Mm-mm. kind of buried in there. And I know you really have to deal with the trauma. Exactly. And mm-hmm. it wasn't until I released my story that I was like, I realized how much I was keeping in. So when I told my story, it was very releasing for me, but then also um, I had friends and then strangers too come out of, come out and message me like they had similar experiences or this like just hearing my story really helped them in theirs knowing that they're not alone and also I had friends that <laughs> I had friends that came to apologize to me because they were those friends that would tease me during those six years right of like oh why aren't you having a baby yet right or, why are you pregnant you know and they don't mean harm from it but those are like some of the most hurtful things that you have to deal with when you're trying to conceive yeah and you have to just put on this kind of fake smile when when you get that from coworkers or whoever and then change the subject really quickly and I did have I did have friends say that they'll never do that to anyone again after hearing my story and that alone was like a great thing I was like thank you do not do that yeah um so that's how I came out to share my journey publicly and I decided to continue that because I always come back to fertility, to be honest with you. Like sometimes I like, I take little breaks um, and cause I, I'll get distracted from work, but then there's something about the infertility community. And it just brings me back in because it's, it's changed me to the core. Yes. And, and I want to give back and I want to make sure, you know, people know that they're not alone in this. Yes. Um, And especially because my aha moment of kind of adjusting my, the way I approach my fertility journey made such a difference. Yes. And it took me way too long to realize. And I'm, and I realized that I wasn't really seeing people talk about it in that Mm -hmm. way or approach it in that way. Everyone's, everyone's talking about, you know, diet and everything, which is very important too. But um, I was like, I, for me, it was such a radical shift um, that created change so quickly. But also the most important thing for me about the, my, my mindset shift and the approach I took was it made me realize that there wasn't only one solution to right. my problem. Because like, I feel like I was guilty of, I, I was so focused on having a baby. I was like, if I don't have this baby, I'm never going to be happy or you know, and there's so much anxiety and pressure and stress associated to that. And this is, it's really out of our control to a certain mm-hmm. extent, right? And by, um, by approaching it in a different way, I still act, was actively trying to have 
a baby. But then I realized there was alternative, alternative solutions that will still fulfill me mm-hmm. and be happy. And I'll still be happy even if I, if it doesn't work out. And that gave me such a peace of mind and that anxiety and pressure just released. And that was a game changer for me, really. Yeah. So can you go into detail? I think you, you developed a four um, kind of step approach during this season that you were in after being told you only had 1% chance of having your, you know, biological children, you developed a, you know, four step approach. And I think we all kind of deal with this season in a different way. So I think it's very important that we hear your, your approach. Um, Cause like you said, there's, you know, the fertility diet, there's acupuncture, there's so many things. Um, but I really want to know what was your approach after hearing that news and what kind of carried you through um, and pushing through to conceive. Yeah. So my approach is I kind of use an artist mindset to approach the fertility, uh, my fertility journey. And before I go into it, you do not have to be an artist or creative in any way. I feel like people might. That's good that. to know. <laughs> it's like, what? I can't draw. <laughs> it has nothing to do with that. It's just about creative problem solving, really. Is that it's a that's the only piece of the artist side. But the the four-step approach that um I I did and that was a is a is a huge game changer for anyone is so the first step is to first really figure out yourself, right? To find out what your core values are. Yeah. What uniquely will fulfill you because for instance i was i i felt like i was blindly just saying oh i am supposed to be like after getting married i'm supposed to be a mother so i'm just going to do that i never stopped to think like what what i really wanted in life what's going to fulfill me what's going to make me happy so the first thing is to stop and really get to know yourself um and what's going to make you happy so you're going along the right path um and then the second approach, the second step is to reframe your challenge. So it's that ability. So whatever obstacle that you're facing, let's say to get pregnant, is the ability to step back and see the bigger picture. Because I feel like we often get so focused on one thing that that's good. we don't see that there are multiple, it's actually a bigger picture that we're trying, a bigger thing that we're trying to solve. And there's more than one solution to that. Um, so it allows you to basically broaden your outlook so you can see the bigger picture. And the mm-hmm. result is you get unstuck because infertility, especially I felt like I was like stuck. Like there was just, I was just going through this one thing. It wasn't working and I just felt locked and stuck and there was no way to go. But by reframing it, you get, it allows you to get unstuck from solely focusing on one thing. And then once you do that, that's when you can explore multiple creative paths. Mm-hmm. Um, multiple solutions so you collect different perspectives second opinions and and then you gather that all to kind of help you find not only one way of solving your challenge but multiple ways so that way you, you you're not if one way doesn't work you have something else you, you already know there's another alternative way so there's not so much pressure on that just one thing has having to work or that's all it. And then the final step is to execute that plan, right? Mm-hmm. So once you have, you've reframed your challenge, your obstacle, you have multiple solutions that can get you to your goal. And then you pick, you know, one or two of the, the top choices on that and you start taking action on it. And it, then this is where it's kind of like the designer mindset where you test and iterate. So you test something out. If it doesn't work, you, you adjust it a little bit and you test again. Like, for example, for my IVF cycle, we did, we tried the five day transfer. That didn't work. Okay, let's step back and let's try a three day transfer. That's like a, a very simple example of like yeah. testing and iterating instead of just testing and being like, oh, it doesn't work. Um, like, and, that, you know, and that results in, like, ultimately, if you keep on going that way and testing and iterating, you'll, you'll be moving towards your goal. And, all, and before you know it, it's, you'll, you'll be 
um, fulfilled and happy because and you're always moving forward. I think that's the thing too with fertility that I always felt in my early years, especially I was just stuck yeah. I was like on pause, like life was on pause. And this approach lets you, um, it gives you back control mm-hmm. because you, you find control, you find multiple ways to be happy and you finally feel like you have control of that. Or otherwise, um, not depending on outside factors that you can control. Right. Um, so yeah. And that's, and that's how I approach my fertility journey. Honestly, I, I still, you can, you can apply this to anything in life. It's true. As you're yeah. speaking, I'm like, you can apply this to pretty yeah. much anything in life. And, yes. And I do it to this day and I call it like, it's like a little superpower, right? It's yes. just, it is kind of this mindset superpower that now no obstacle it's almost like a game, right? If you get, if you, if you, there's a challenge or an obstacle, it's like, oh, I know how to, I know how to conquer this. And you get stuck for a minute, but then you back up and then you figure out all these ways. And I, I think the beauty of it is often, you know, with fertility, it's hard because life isn't what you envisioned, right? Right. Like, I didn't have my three kids by 35 and all that stuff. But I think the beauty of it is it's often even better. Mm-hmm. what you originally envisioned and that's exactly how I feel and by doing it this approach too you you get to figure you can, you get to brainstorm multiple um paths multiple things you're like oh that's kind of cool like honestly I did a I did a when I was doing this we did finally sit down and face one of my biggest fears like what what's going to happen if we don't have kids what would mm-hmm. life look like and we finally forced ourselves to like say it out loud and when we did, we were like, actually, that's not bad. That. Exactly. <laughs> I did that. We we're, were like, I, I still remember sitting at dinner and I thought it was going to be like this hard, devastating conversation. At the end of dinner, we kind of was like, we were like, okay, we can do this. And then we felt so much better because yes. we knew that we were going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I think you deal with that elephant in the room, you know, and exactly. tackle it head on. I love that. Yeah. So with the four-step approach, do you offer any um, assistance to women that are dealing with infertility? Do you offer any coaching or, or that sort of thing? Um, have you taken it to that level, um, you know, within yourself, using your, your experiences and helping women in that way? Yes, I do. So for those that want one-on-one um, help, I do offer coaching. But also those that, you know, might not be able to do the one-on-one coaching, I actually created um, a, a, like an online program, a mini course, essentially, that walks someone through this four-step um, approach in a very easy, man- manageable way. So there are a series of video um, kind of uh course things that are less than five minutes each because I know we're all busy. Yeah. And... Um, I, I was, I'm so excited to share it because this is something that I wanted to share with people ever since I had my daughter, this approach. And I wanted to make it accessible to as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, one-on-one coaching I offer and it's great, but it's not accessible to everyone. So that's why I was like, oh, I'd love to create something that is accessible. So that's the result of it. And I call it um, finding control of your fertility journey. Yes, I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Um, that's so necessary for this community, you know, to have a support system, um, whether it's coaching, whether it's a mental health therapist, um, whatever it is that's needed in the journey to help you, like you said, push forward, because oftentimes you do feel stuck, you know, mm-hmm. life is happening around you and you feel that your life is in a standstill. So to close out, what words of advice or encouragement do you have for couples um, who are going through this infertility journey? Um, I feel like I, yeah. So (laughs) I would say be your own best advocate. Yeah. No one is going to fight for you more than yourself. No one knows you more than yourself. And um, use this approach, get multiple opinions, and then figure out the best path to, to go down. That's, that's the biggest thing. For years, I did not do that. 
Mm -hmm. and I spent a lot of years in kind of feeling lost and um and I don't wish that on anyone so that's my biggest thing to to be proactive be your best advocate educate yourself and and also my other thing is to to speak to either release it somehow as well Mm -hmm. because that's my other mistake that I did I I kept it in for too long and it could you don't have to tell it tell tell the world your story you don't have to do a facebook live yeah, like jasmine you, you don't have to do that <laughs> although you know it's interesting you could do that yes there's nothing wrong with that it could be as simple as you know just talking to a friend or journaling if if you don't want to talk to someone journal it to yourself just release it somehow um i think that is what i would i would tell people that are in this journey Awesome. So thank you again for joining. How can we keep in contact with you, whether it's a website, um, social media, how can the listeners connect with you? Yeah, you can find, I actually offer a free, a free training, a free fertility training um, through my website that I can give you the link. It's uh, jazz. I'll give you the link to put it on, but it's jazz katat, J A Z Z K A T A T.com slash, uh, free training and you can get a free like 20 minute training kind of gives you an overview also of my four step approach, but also goes through the four most common misconceptions that we all go through when we're trying to make sure that you're not going, you're not doing that yourself. Um, But that's the best way to, to find me and get resources. Awesome. If you send me that, I will definitely put it in the show notes so that people can access this great content. Um, so we've discussed in the, pa- in the past week or two that you'll be a reoccurring guest because there's so many um, different nuggets that you can provide um, the listeners. So uh, you'll be a reoccurring guest like my husband is a reoccurring <laughs> guest. <laughs> so I do appreciate your time and um, you sharing your story, sharing your approach. Um, and, you know, sharing the wealth of knowledge that you are. And also, I love this because it's a different spin on infertility, talking about being an artist, you know, finding uh, creative ways to continue to move forward. And so I think that is definitely unique. So thank you so much for joining. And thank you to everyone for tuning in to this episode of the Infertility Podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Awesome. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Infertility Podcast. Be sure to connect with me via social media. You can find me on Instagram at I am Danielle Joseph or on Facebook, Master Mentor and Minister. Or you can visit my website, which is www.iamdaniellejoseph.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.